Good afternoon, Tony G Nation. The seventh episode of season eight is set to be recorded. I'm Tony G. Host is Will McCormick. Hi, Will. Host. Host with the most uh, talent. Okay. This is the Will M show now. Yeah. <laughs> Changing the say, name. I didn't say the co part of co host. No, you said host. Wow. Yeah. All right, Will, what appreciate do you got? The, <laughs> <laughs> appreciate the up in title. I do want to say this here. The whole Aaron Rodgers thing, since last episode, Aaron Rodgers posted on Instagram a huge, long message that was definitely cryptic. He said it wasn't cryptic. It's definitely cryptic. Talking about the gratitude he's had for all the teammates he's had, all the people in his life. And it definitely had the sound of he's going to retire. So he announces that he's going to go on the uh, Pat McAfee show today. Uh, this recording, it is Tuesday, February 22nd. Which he normally does. by the way. He normally does that. Yeah, in the regular season, he's a regular on the Pat McAfee show on Tuesdays. So he's going to go on there again. And everybody thinks and assumes, myself included, that he is going to announce his retirement. So I'm watching, I'm ready. And the point that, of me telling this is because if he would have said he's going to retire or something, if he would have broke some sort of news, we would have had a live reaction episode to it. We would have pushed off everything from today and did it Thursday. And so what happened was Aaron Rodgers gets on the Pat McAfee show and he starts off by saying a disclaimer. Anybody tuning in right now to hear me break some news or have something big come out? No, it's not going to happen. Oh, that's nice. So right off the bat, he says, <laughs> no, forget it. Okay. First off, what a tease to do that. The whole cryptic post the day before coming on the Pat McAfee show again in the offseason. We all think that it's going to be some news, and he comes around and he says, there's no news. But here's the thing. The last two days, remember when we talked on Thursday about him and Shailene Woodley splitting? Yes. Shailene Woodley. Yeah, Shailene. And today and yesterday, she is as much of a part of Aaron Rodgers' life as ever. Sounds like they're still together. Sounds like they never split. I don't know what is going on (laughs) with Aaron Rodgers right now. Like I'm honestly baffled. At like what is at his control, yet lack of control. It's like this weird dynamic where he has no control over the media, but he knows that and plays to that oh, effect yeah. to the point that he controls everything. Dude, I think he did that to be funny or like to have some fun. He's like, I'm gonna post something to yeah. and then make people think I'm gonna say something, and then right away be like, Nah, I'm not saying anything. So did Woodley and Rogers actually split up, and Rogers is just in denial with it, and try, or, or they listen to our advice. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Or did they listen to the marriage counseling episode of the Tony G Show just last episode? Which I don't even know if we gave any advice. We just kind of talked about it. I don't know that we did either. Maybe it was like it helped them think about it, though. Yeah. I know they they avidly listen. So. Yeah, I know Aaron is a huge part of Tony G Nation, so thanks for that. But Not really. No. Again, <laughs> just Aaron Rodgers, uh, uh, the most frustrating person I think I've ever loved so much, like in terms of not family or friends, but... In like this para relationship where we don't know each other, but yet I love him because yeah. he's Aaron Rodgers and what he's done to the Packers. But yet he is the most frustrating person <laughs> that I've ever dealt with outside of, you know, family and friends, of course, you know, just that disclaimer that I love and frustrates me at an equal amount at the same time. Aaron Rodgers is like number one on mm-hmm. that list. I've never I've never seen anything like that. But anyways, let's preview today's show because it is going to happen. We're not going to yeah. do the Aaron Rodgers reaction thing because there is no news to react to so the episode that we're going to follow let's get to the punchline let's get to, <laughs> you've been waiting on that one for a while <laughs> Jawan howard's temper tantrum we will discuss all of that today from sunday's game between michigan the wolverines and the badgers 
of Wisconsin, the basketball game, and what not necessarily the game itself, but what happened afterwards. Jawan Howard taking a swing at an assistant coach for Wisconsin after things got heated between Howard and Greg Gard, the head coaches of both Michigan and Wisconsin. So that whole situation, I'll break, I'll paint down, I'll paint that picture, recap uh, what happened on Sunday, and then give some tape, takeaways with uh, Will McCormick, my partner today. So that whole thing, we're going to discuss Jawan Howard top of the show. And then how to make the NBA dunk contest must watch TV again. Because it's not. Right now, it is not. It is a shame. It is a mock of what it used to be. And it's nobody's fault. I mean, how, how many dunks are there that exist in this world? Right. I mean, there's only so many different things you can draw up for a dunk contest if you're a player. So I will make the argument today with Will on how to make that must-watch TV again. And then we'll round out the show talking about Daytona, because Daytona was just last Sunday, right, Will? Yes. Okay. Forgot about it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Really, really riveting stuff. I'm excited to go through it. Tony so. G Nation's favorite sport is NASCAR. Right? I get yeah. that. You know, it is what it is. I'm going to tell you my new favorite racer, okay. who he's replacing, and why. So you got that. We're talking Jawan Howard, we're talking NBA dunk contest, and then Daytona 500. That sounds like a good show to me. What do you think, Will? Sounds like three hits. Sounds like three hits, three home runs, a mm-hmm. trifecta, a triple crown. Sounds like a hat trick. Anything else that I could say with No. The, okay. With the whole thing <laughs> yeah. three? Yeah. Okay. It's getting to the hitting kind of was, but oh, yeah, you the, got there. The punchline. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the slap. That yeah. I was trying to think up uh, jokes about hitting prior to the show, but... You were... No, it wasn't, it wasn't very productive. You were productive. Yeah. Will McCormick, Tony G, Tony G Show. You are listening to the eighth and final season of the Tony G Show. Eight seasons of laughs, memories, and sports are coming to an end. Follow the show on Twitter at Willis5312 and at Tony G Nation. Check out more from Tony G at TonyGNation.com. Now, along with Will McCormick, here's your host, Tony G. How about that whole situation on Sunday? Joan Howard, the head coach of the Michigan Wolverines basketball team, taking a swing at an assistant coach, showing his frustration at get Greg Gard after the game, immediately after, for what happened. I'll paint that picture, and we'll, we'll go through some takeaways from that whole situation and the suspensions that have been handed down afterwards. So what happened was the Badgers were up big. This is a Big Ten conference matchup between Michigan and Wisconsin. The game is being played at the Kohl Center down in Madison in Wisconsin. And Michigan is down by a lot. Okay, they're down by about 10, 15 points. Michigan is playing defense. Wisconsin is inbounding the ball with about 10, 12 seconds left in the game. And Wisconsin, because they're up by so much, has their backups in, their reserves, the guys who mm-hmm. don't get much playing time, are in the game playing and trying to inbound and just dribble out the clock. There's like 20 seconds left. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, the starters are resting. They're not playing at the time. So Michigan has this press defense. He called it a five-man defense or something. That's, Some, we're going to get into that, Will, because yeah. I'm, I'm going to blast him for that. So they're in this, this press coverage defense against the Badgers, trying to put some pressure on them in their inbound on this next offensive possession. In the situation of the game, the Badgers are obviously just going to run out the clock, just dribble the clock out, get across half court, and just dribble. Let the yeah. clock completely run down. Right. And the game is over, you get the win, and you move on with the rest of your season. Well, 
you know, this press coverage defense that Michigan had on caused Greg Gard to use a timeout. He, in his explanation of it, the official said to him, if you use a timeout now, you're gonna, something's going to happen with the clock. It's going to be in your favor because of the rules. So if you use this timeout now, you get to reset your offense or whatever, and the clock favors you with how it, how it turns out. So Greg Gard takes this timeout, and Jawan Howard immediately is not happy with that timeout, which is shocking for a bunch of different reasons. We will analyze it as we go on, but just to continue painting the picture, the handshake line, the game runs out, Badgers win, handshake line pursues, and Greg Gard is shaking hands with players, players, coach, assistant coaches, and then head coach Jawan Howard comes to shake his hand. Usually head coaches are the first to meet. Mm-hmm. Jawan Howard was back a ways and didn't come in. So It's, it's minor, but it, it is part of the story, part yep. of the picture we're painting. So he shakes Greg Gard's hand late. And you wonder, just to jump in, you wonder if he's like, try to take him out of that or take himself and like kind of calm down maybe a little bit maybe that might be why but anyways continue or maybe he's trying to paint a picture of how this is going to go and he knows it true you know because i saw this we'll get into it in a a moment because you know it is why he was late i don't really know but i and whether it did play a factor to how he reacted i don't know but here's what happened the handshake line you know it happened and then greg guard Jawan howard shook hands with each other and Jawan Howard was just going to do that shake your hand and move on type of deal. He wasn't yep. going to say nothing to Greg Gard. And Greg Gard, when he w- reached out his right hand to shake Jawan's right hand, to, you know, just do a typical handshake, Greg Gard put his left hand on the right elbow of Jawan Howard, which is a completely professional move. Happens all the time. Yep. I do it sometimes when oh, I shake I do hands. It. And Jawan Howard stops and he says, don't put your hands on me. I think he used the F word in there, too. He was definitely using profanity. He was yeah. throwing that around a lot. So then, Greg Gard and Jawan are kind of going at it. Verbal altercation between the two. Other players and coaches are getting in the mix and are trying to separate the two. And then, in the middle of this scuffle and this brawl, Jawan Howard, the head coach of Michigan, the head coach of Michigan, takes a swing, open hand, you know, it's more of a slap type of action, to a Wisconsin Badger assistant coach. There's also the factor that we have to consider that, you know, putting a finger in somebody's face in which Juwan Howard did to Greg Gard, that is something that usually does not help the situation. If I get a finger in my face, that's not something I'm happy about. So in doing this, Juwan Howard essentially starts this huge fight. I mean, it's mm-hmm. a huge melee going on. Yeah. And Michigan players are swinging. Badger players are swinging all because of what Juwan Howard did. Mm-hmm. So fast forward to the press conference. Both Greg Gard and Jawan Howard, in their press conferences, stuck to their guns and their reasons for how they acted. Greg Gard said that he was just using this timeout after the referee told him and explained what would happen if he happened to use that timeout. So he's doing that to give his backups a better chance in inbounding the ball against Michigan State. Or uh, not Michigan State, but Michigan. Against Michigan's defense and that press court defense. Jawan Howard, after the game, comes to the podium and talks about how he didn't like that the Badgers used that timeout in that situation. Then he proceeds to mention, as Will mentioned earlier, that it, he didn't call it a press conference, a press conference, a press court defense. He called it just their basic man-to-man, five-up man-to-man instead of a backcourt press. Which is like, 
a way around of saying, yes, we were running a press. Just, <laughs> exactly. It's not called a press defense. It's It was a press defense, and he, he acknowledged that. You know, and that's the thing is I, I, I blasted. I worked for the fan yesterday, and I was on air, and I mentioned this then, that I don't know what you think a backcourt press looks like, but homie. It was certainly that. That was a backcourt press yeah. if I've ever seen it. They certainly were pressing more than, I mean, having their you know their five guys back yeah. and just sitting in the paint, that's one thing. But to be across half court and, and putting pressure on the offensive players, I mean, that's definitely backcourt pressure. Well, to be... Okay, here's a couple things that could have avoided this entire melee. Was Jawan Howard doesn't do that backcourt press. Just lets Wisconsin inbound run out the clock. That prevents all of this. Okay. So you're going to play right to the final whistle. That's fine. Yeah. But then get mad when Greg Gard uses a timeout? Right. Now I question, okay, so there's that. That didn't have to happen. You're mad at him using a timeout to give his chance, his team a better chance. That second avoidable occurrence, event, in this sequence of events. Go to the handshake line. Jawan Howard could have just walked off yeah. the court. Could have never even went through the handshake line. It would have been unsportsmanlike, yeah. But it would have, again, prevented this entire scuffle. Mm-hmm. That is the third prevent, completely preventable, didn't need to happen sequence of events. If Jawan Howard's really upset, you don't have to do that. Okay, right. fourth, you do not have to start shouting yeah. at Greg Gard. Fifth, you do not have to take a swing at anybody. So there's five occurrences in this sequence of events, in this timeline of what happened in the postgame, or even the final 12 seconds of regulation into postgame, where Jawan Howard could have completely avoided this entire situation. Like, the, the entire thing did not have to happen. That's what gets me, is that mm-hmm. if one, if just one of those five parts that I mentioned do not happen... This scuffle doesn't happen. Jawan Howard doesn't get the suspension that he did, which we'll talk about in a moment. The fines don't get handed down. The players don't get suspended for a yeah. game, which we'll talk about. It all started with Jawan Howard. Now I'm questioning Jawan Howard's professionalism as a head coach. Now I'm questioning his temperament because he's had he's had altercations like this in the past. Maryland last season, when he was on the road there. I think he had a tech. I think what I heard is he he has had a technical foul issued against him in the last two games before this Wisconsin one, which would have been Iowa and Ohio State. So there's certainly something building in Jawan Howard's repertoire of just uncharacteristic explosions. I mean, this just completely avoidable right temperaments and reactions to certain things that just don't need to be happening. And, and to your point, the uncharacteristic explosions, I mean, there was a video put out on Twitter. I'm, I'm blanking on the user, but kind of just compiled uh, Jamon Howard and Greg Gard's interactions over the years post-game. Yes. And there's been, yes. and maybe you even liked it. Maybe that's why I had yes. seen it. But there's even a couple times where Greg Gard had put his arm on his elbow exactly like he did this post-game that set Jawan Howard off. And that's, I think... Yes. And I think what what is why it's gotten to this point, and, and you can, I'll, I'll tee this up and I'll let you talk about it, but I think Michigan is experiencing extreme disappointment. Yeah. They are basically the UCLA of, of basketball. <laughs> Every year they are like 
just brought up to be this amazing, amazing program. And every year, besides maybe last year, they extremely underperform. So do you think that's kind of why, like, they're just getting fed up? I mean, this year they were, you know, one promised to be one of the best teams, and they're very average. Yeah. So I don't know. Do you think that's playing into it? I definitely do, 100%. A couple things on what you mentioned. Very good point. That I did see that video compiling the last, like, five, six post-game handshake line, shake of the hands between Jawan Howard and Greg Gard. All of them professional. All of them contained. All of them completely respectful of each other. And all of them very similar to the to what Greg Gard was trying to do just on Sunday. But Jawan Howard, for whatever reason, has been blowing up lately. And this was, this was, I mean, the bomb that set it all off. This was the fuse that was lit and the timer was running out. And when that, when Greg Gard reached for the elbow, it just, he just lost it. Yeah. And so I guess following that, do you, and maybe you're going to get into this, but do you think this is a permanent, you know, this is a five-game suspension, which is the rest of the season. Do you see Juwan Howard being like a coach for Michigan down the road here? Do you think he's gone? Yes, and I'll elaborate that after I mention the struggles that Michigan has been having. Yeah. They're middle-of-the-pack team in the Big Ten, 14-11 and 11 overall, 8-7 and seven in conference play. This all updated stats, updated record after the loss to Wisconsin. So I do think that there is something weighing on Michigan. You know, you're ranked, you're not ranked, you're in the standings behind a team like Rutgers, between, behind a team like Michigan State and Iowa, who have had struggles in the recent couple of seasons. And you're the, you find yourself in this middle of the pack of this very good, I mean, I think the Big Ten is one of, if not the best conference for college basketball. I mean, just the teams that are in there, the amount of ranked teams that there are. You watch the games that are being played. They're always close, whether they're low scoring or high scoring. They're always close, good coached basketball games within this conference. So I think Jawan Howard got hired at Michigan a few seasons ago, and everybody had the intent on Michigan winning a Big Ten title, you know, making run after run after run at the conference. And here they are, find themselves middle of the pack. This comes after a tough loss against Ohio State, get some close wins against Iowa and Purdue. I mean, these are good wins. But setting off this fuse, I think, was the fact that they can beat teams like an Ohio State. They can beat teams like an Iowa that are nationally ranked teams. But yet they're middle of the pack. So they're not reaching their full potential. And I think that's what's setting off Juwan Howard. Now to answer that second question that you had, I don't know. The suspension officially was five games for Juwan Howard. There are five regular season games remaining for Michigan. And... There are, you know, there's a Big Ten tournament, which Juwan Howard, I think it was the right suspension. We'll talk about that. I don't think this is going to be a thing moving forward with Juwan Howard. I hear some perspective that, you know, if this happens in the corporate world, you're not going to have your job anymore. Yeah, I and, was going to say that. that know, that's it's, a, it's that's a common... It's just the same thing. It, yeah. There's a different dynamic with sports. There's yeah. punches thrown all the well, time. I'm not saying it's right or wrong. Right. But there's just that different dynamic that I is was, more normalized and that's why i was teeing up that question i was gonna say the same thing pete that's like a common like go-to like well if i punch somebody at work i'd be fired yeah that's like you see that on probably every tweet about juan howard yeah um but then you also the sports world like you said you have players and i know the nfl is a lot different from college college basketball but you have players like miles garrett swinging helmets in a weapon fashion you know like that's a that's a that could really do some damage at players heads you know, is suspended, and then they're like, yeah, you know what, you can come back. Well, with other sports, baseball, 
there's brawls all the time, benches clear, that's normal. Yeah. That happens all the time. Mm-hmm. At least I'd say maybe once a week, once every two weeks, there's a brawl. Maybe it's not punches thrown, it's not a huge extent, but benches will clear, tensions yep. rise. Hockey, literally fighting goes on. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It, yeah. it's just part of sports. I right. Mean, you have testosterone driven men going at each other in some of these leagues, mm-hmm. and it just boils over sometimes yeah. and it happens I think, and so I think that's why that different dynamic is allowed to exist in the sporting world right it's definitely different seeing it at the collegiate level because you really don't expect to see that from a head coach yeah so I understand the five game suspension because of that but I think also you have to consider that this is a sport and I understand that like it's obviously you don't want head coaches punching other coaches on a consistent basis but assuming that this is like a one-off event I don't see why he would be fired. Or so, I, I don't, yeah, I don't see him being fired. Yeah, there's no reason for him to lose his job over this. I do, like I said, though, I question his professionalism. I yeah. question now his candidacy for being a head coach at a program like this because you have to set the example. Let me, okay, before I indulge on this, I want to make it clear. I think this entire thing is Jawan Howard's fault. I don't know if I've made that clear with saying the five things that could have gone differently in the sequence of events to avoid this whole thing. They were all Jawan Howard's, but Jawan Howard is completely at fault for this, and it's not. It's just, there's just nobody else to blame. Yeah, I mean the like, players. There's just nobody else to blame. The players are set off because of what happened. Not yes. they weren't doing that prior to that. You know that slap or punch being thrown. Yeah, that was a direct result because of what Jawan had done. And people are saying Greg Gard is at fault for some of this too. It's it's just not even close. Think with your head a bit. If you're going to call Greg Gard into blame for this, what did he do? Touch his elbow? He He's done that before. Yeah. He was doing it to try to catch Jawan's attention to say, this is why I use the timeout. There's no hard feelings. Jawan right. reacted like a child in that moment, reacted like a high schooler yeah. on a basketball That's... court, and it just can't happen. You have to be more professional at this level when you are leading some of the students of your university who are trying to make themselves better people, better parts of society, better athletes. You have to be a better example than that. And to just start swinging at people. After two games where you got technicals issued to you, not to the bench, not a bench warrant, like you yourself got a technical, I'm starting to call into question Jawan Howard's ability to lead this program. I really am. Yeah, yeah, you're totally right. You have to look at, you know, the tone at the top of where this program is going. Yeah. So they've been oftentimes taught it as being one of the best programs. They're looking like they're going to be really good this year. And then they really underperform. And it's, that's been like that the last, I don't know, seven seasons minus a few in there, mm-hmm. give or take. Yeah. And to have, you know, not only looking at this one off event, but looking, like you said, those past few games, he's had a couple technicals. So this might be one of those things that maybe he's not suspended from the league, um, not the league, but uh, you know, NCAA, from NCAA, yeah. but we see Michigan move on from him and maybe he goes and takes on a different program. But it certainly seems like you, like you said, when Greg guard grabs his elbow like that, you have to think, man, he's not going to mouth off to him. He might say, Hey, I'm sorry. I did that. I know that's not right, but you were also pressing, you know, and you didn't even get the chance to talk. Like it, it was a hundred. You're right. Because Juwan Howard did that on purpose. Jawan Howard knew what he was going to do. Yeah. He just needed Greg Gard to touch him in yep. any sort of way that was more than a handshake, yep. and he was going to go off on him, and he did. Jawan Howard, like I said, could have completely ignored the handshake line and just gone mm-hmm. to the locker room. It would have been a bad or, look. Or just but, shake his hand and walk away. That too. 
I mean, if you, even if you go through the handshake line, you know, let him say his piece and go, yeah, all right, man, and just walk off. Yeah. Cool heads prevail, Tony. Yeah, that's They true. really do. You don't have to tell me. Tell yeah. Jawan Howard. He's yeah. the guy that lost his cool at such a stage that now you question how bad Michigan looks as a university. Mm-hmm. You question how the basketball team looks now that they're middle of the pack after this whole fiasco. You question Jawan Howard's ability to be a head coach. I mean, there are so many things. This is just such a terrible look for Michigan. Yeah. And it didn't have to happen. Right. And this is something that's going to perpetuate. I mean, we had talked about, you know, a few episodes back, Jim Harbaugh, and just how, like, Michigan performing at this level for their football program only helps them going forward. Yeah. And it looked like this for Michigan and their basketball program. That's always been, oh, they're going to be really good. They're looking good this year. This is bad. Yeah. This is like, they have terrible leadership. And it's just like, why would I go here? If, if you're looking for prospective players, that's something to consider. Now, it is worth mentioning that Juwan Howard's son, who is ranked number three in the prospects for 2022 in basketball, has committed to Michigan to play for his dad. But That'll other than well. that, I don't know how you recruit after this. How, <laughs> because Michigan is competing with teams like Ohio State, like Wisconsin, like Purdue, like Illinois, that have very good programs. And how do you choose a Michigan over that? How do you sell a Michigan program over some of these other programs that are successful that don't have this type of blow up? You know, if Jawan Howard's doing this on a national stage, what is he like in practice when someone misses a shot or doesn't follow through on their assignment in a in a practice play? I mean, what is he like playing for under? You know, I just there's so many things to bring into question. But moving forward with Michigan and Wisconsin, both again, there is still. The Big Ten tournament in play. There is still the NCAA tournament, or NIT in Michigan's case, at play. But the remaining five games of the regular season for Michigan, where after this loss to Wisconsin, they host Rutgers, they host Illinois, they host Michigan State, they host Iowa, and then they head to Ohio State to conclude their season. There's good games on the schedule here. 15 ranked Iowa, number 25, or excuse me, number 15, Illinois, number 25, Iowa, number 22, Ohio State. Not to mention that Michigan State's no no pushover. Same with Rutgers, who beat Wisconsin. So you have very tough games on the schedule. If you want a chance to get in to the tournament, if you want this at-large shot, you want your head coach to be there. That goes without saying. But now they're going to have to rely on an assistant coach to take the range from Jawan Howard, who is now out of the program for the next five games. Just can't happen going down the stretch. You take a look at Wisconsin on the other side. 21 and 5, 12 and 4 in conference play. There's a second team in the standings of the Big Ten. And moving on for them. Tough game in Minnesota. I can't wait to watch that. That'll be tomorrow. Tough game in Rutgers, a Rutgers team that beat Wisconsin, but Wisconsin is known this season for avenging themselves, beating teams that they lost to in the first matchup. Then they host Purdue, a team they beat in Purdue. That'll be a good game. But Purdue does have a lot of success in Madison. Wisconsin will then host Nebraska on March 6th to conclude their season. Greg Gard's find, I think it was like, it was a minuscule amount. It wasn't anything large. I think it was like $40,000. I don't get what he's fined for. I think maybe ten. and I think Jawan got the forty. What What is he fined for? I mean, I understand that like that Just because whole... he was part of it. Just yeah. so the NCAA had, had to show that they were... You know, you're going to punish everybody involved. And I agree. He, I agree with your point. All he well. did was sh- shake his hand, exchange a few words, and then yep. literally just backed off. Yes. Yes. And it's it, what, you know, if you're finding a coach for doing that in a situation, then what do they do to deserve no fine? Yeah. 
and walk away. See, that's what I said. He I literally s- walked away. I said that after the moment. What is Greg Gard supposed to do in that moment? Yeah. Just show his team that he's going to back down to Jawan Howard because right. he's a little upset? No. He's right. going to go toe-to-toe with him. What is Greg Gard supposed to do in that situation? So I... Just to like, I guess I gather see all his players and coaches and be like, guys, no, yeah, don't just do that. turn around and yeah. like, okay, let's all go away. Listen, Greg Gard did what he had to do there, right? Jawan Howard is the one that started this whole thing. It's completely Jawan Howard's fault. I'm so sick and tired of seeing this on social media, of especially these Michigan fans and and reporters who are covering the team. Oh. It is not. Listen. I'm not one I, I don't try to show bias in my podcast. I really don't. So I the reason I say that is I'm not biased towards thinking this. Just look at the situation objectively and the sequence of events. It is all Jawan Howard's fault. I know you don't like to hear it, but it's Jawan Howard's fault. Okay, so I that's all I have to say about that. And we're gonna move on to the rest of our, our podcast here. But I just want to make clear that this is Jawan Howard's deal. This all could have been avoided with one. Remember, remember how I mentioned those five events that just one goes different, and Jawan Howard doesn't find himself in this situation. Jawan Howard and the Michigan basketball team doesn't find themselves in a situation where they're going down to the last five games of the season, where they need to win some of these games and they're tough, tough opponents, and Jawan Howard's not going to be there. You know, if you don't question Jawan Howard's candidacy and ability to be a head yeah. coach for the Michigan Wolverines program after this. We'll find out. You know, I don't know what you're thinking. We'll find out in these five games. We'll see how valuable his his coaching ability is. Really. And what is it, what, see, what does it say? I mentioned this yesterday, too. What, is it, what does this say about the program if Michigan rattles off five wins against these tough opponents right, without right. Jawan Howard? Yeah. And gets themselves into the round of 64, gets themselves into the big dance instead of the NIT. What happens then? Then Jawan Howard is seriously being looked at. Yep. So I for Jawan, see, look what he did to himself. Mm-hmm. Gets a technical in a game. Gets a technical in a game. Yeah. And here he finds himself getting suspended five games after a brawl that he started. And now he has to watch from the sidelines, hoping that Michigan loses. He's not going to say it, but he's hoping deep down inside that yeah. the team loses so that it's not a bad look on him. While wow, this team just rattled off five wins against tough opponents, three of them ranked without me. So he did it to himself. He started this whole thing. I don't mean to say things that people don't want to hear on this podcast, but I'm going to tell it like it is, objectively. This was all Jawan Howard's deal. We'll move on from there to the rest of our show, from basketball to basketball, from college to professional, though, to the NBA. I have a proposal, Will. This is where the show takes a bit of a fun turn instead of me yelling through the microphone at Michigan fans. It takes a fun turn here. I propose a way to make the NBA dunk contest must-watch TV again. I will start by saying this. The dunk contest was on Saturday. Obi Toppin of the New York Knicks got the win. He beat out Jalen Green, Cole Anthony, Juan Toscano-Anderson as well. And so Obi Toppin was the, the winner of the dunk contest. That dunk contest was, I think, the most brutal dunk contest that there has been in recent years. I hate to say that because I think it's one of the better spectacles in sports just by namesake. You know, it's a dunk contest. The best talent in the world comes around. There's a few things in play here. One, there are a lot of misses. There are a lot of reused dunks from before, and it's just not 
creative. It's just not. I mean, there need there needs to be a new field. So there's that aspect. But also, it isn't some of the most premier talent in the NBA participating in the dunk contest it's anymore. Not. Remember when Michael Jordan would participate? You yep. Remember when Vince Carter would participate? Some of the better guys in the league would participate in this dunk contest, and now it's Cole Anthony, Juan Toscano-Anderson. To be honest, last even, year it was even though it were a Wisconsin market, it was Pat Connaughton. I yeah. mean, there's just not premier talent in the dunk contest anymore. So what's the solution here? What is the solution to making the dunk contest must-watch TV again? When you watch the dunk contest, what is it? It is slow. Mm-hmm. It is boring. There are missed dunks. What if you did this rapid-fire competition instead of just one athlete at a time? Maybe you could do one athlete at a time, but then right as he hits a dunk, the next guy has to try his dunk. The next guy has to. Don't do this five-minute delay before the next attempted dunk because it's just not there anymore. Yeah. It used to be back in the 2000s when there would be a dunk that you haven't seen before. Vince Carter sticks his whole elbow in the rim. But now you've seen some of these dunks. Now these dunks are just common mm-hmm. to the dunk contest. They're kind of like being recycled at this point. Exactly. So you don't need a drum roll. That's exactly what, they're, what they are from years past. So you don't need a drum roll to it anymore because we've seen it before, if it is indeed hit. So let's eliminate all that dead time from the NBA dunk contest and rapid fire. Let's open up both sides of the court. Bang, bang, dunk, 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 dunk. Rapid fire. Just like a, you know... When I'm thinking of golf, there's so much. It's a slow sport, so it's not yeah. really the same comparison. But when you watch, it's camera angle to this guy. Then boom, the whole six on this guy. Then boom, the whole 12 on this guy. And it's boom, boom. It's rapid fire. This guy, this guy, this guy. And that's what makes it good TV because if you just watched one athlete golf, it wouldn't be as entertaining. Yeah. And what I actually find this similar to is so I'm a big skier guy. I love watching freestyle skiing, guys doing flips in the air. And this year, I think it was this year, X Games went to a format where in big air, which is one big jump, these guys are doing quad flips, spinning six times around. They actually have a time limit. They have multiple rounds and they have like, I, I, I don't know the exact time, maybe it was like 20 minutes, where they just, they all get to take turns just taking as many runs as they can and just getting the highest score for that round. And when you compare that to the Olympics for freestyle big air, it was three jumps, Best score of the three. That's all they get. Hmm. And that's kind of how the dunk contest is where it's like they get to go and get, I don't know how many dunks they get, but they get, you know, X amount of dunks. All I know is that when you compare it to the Olympics where they get three, three big tricks, that's it. And so they go kind of like, they go big, but they're not like crazy. Where in the X games, they have 20 minutes. They can throw down some crazy, crazy stuff. They may fall, but they may land some really cool stuff too. So to your point, if they have a rapid fire dunks, you might see something new. Rather than going for the safe option of a, of a dunk they know they can do. I think tying in other sports is a very useful technique to making this argument. What did MLB do? They eliminated all the dead time. Yeah. They put a time limit on who can hit the most home runs in like 10 minutes. Start the clock, start swinging. Mm-hmm. You get a timeout, you get a Gatorade yeah. to drink in that timeout, start swinging. Just like for the dunk, dunk contest, some sort of format like that. Put all four athletes on the court at once. You get 10 minutes. Go at it. Mm-hmm. And but here's the problem, though, is they're going to have to find space to make money, essentially. Yeah. The ad side of thing is where it's going to get complicated because I think there's no doubt that that would be more interesting, but they're going to have to find every way to squeeze a penny out of this. That's a good point. Solution. 
advertising on the ba- basketball. There you go. Different colored basketballs catches the eye. You still get the dunk, but now there's a ad for you know whatever cryptocurrency company <laughs> wants to buy that basketball. Yeah. Now there's an ad for whatever you know. I mean that's how you advertise. Right. Advertising. I get your point, and I like. There the, is. I like. I like you brought that financial side of it, but advertising. If you're the NBA, advertising should not take precedence over yeah. your product. I agree. I agree 100. percent But yeah. I'm just there is definitely a relationship between you know airtime for the dunk contest yeah. and the money they make. Well, I mean the the amount of dead air. It's the problem that the home run derby had from years ago because players would get to you know come step in, take a swing. Yeah. Yep. Hit a home run, kind of step out, take their breath, step in, take yeah. a swing, and and they would get ten outs. So once you would take 10 swings that weren't home runs you were done your round was over however many home runs you hit was your number going up against whoever you played in that tournament style bracket now that like i said they put the clock in there start the clock start swinging and i love i love that mm-hmm. i love it yeah i mean this year i mean i don't mean to keep bringing in the x games but this year was the first year i've watched the x games in like many years i'm talking like since i was eight years old and i was actually excited to watch the, the uh, big air because it's there's going to be some crazy stuff. Yep. So, I mean, to your point, if we have this like rapid fire dunking style, we might see something. It's like somebody's trying something totally crazy and it may pay off. And if it doesn't, they don't get as burned for it. Mm-hmm. There have been solutions proposed, not necessarily proposed, but uh, speculated that if they just offered more money, you know, because how, how can some of these premier talents who are getting paid on these contracts of $200, $300 million enticed by participating in a dunk contest, which they could get injured in, which they won't get much of a monetary prize for. And listen, I don't think the answer is within money because these athletes are money. All right? I mean, they are walking money. You can pay them any amount of, of change if they win, and I don't think it would be any different. I think the, that it has to be the spectacle that is fun for the athletes to participate in, that is fun for the audience to watch for the fan base to watch that is fun for everybody involved and that's why i think the rapid fire when you think about our society what sells is the quicker thing mm-hmm. whatever's quicker whatever's quickest whatever news gets out is the most popular news it, and it's not necessarily all good but if you look at the trend of society what is better quicker quicker is better and i think that's a, the solution to the nba dunk contest and this might apply to more than just NBA, but do you think sports are evolving to where players realize their value so much that we're starting to see this phase out of all-star games where that's not going to be something we see yeah. 10 years from now? It's yep. like, remember when they used to do all-star games? Like, this is just something that athletes are just, you know, considering that they're only going to get hurt for and nothing more. I think the NFL should stop doing the Pro Bowl. Yeah. See? That's what I'm saying. Like, nobody cares. No. Literally is, nobody. What? What? Get you, and I don't like that it's getting to this point where fans can just vote in anybody. Yeah, because it is just a popularity contest. Mm-hmm. I think what is more, because now people are starting to earn Hall of Fame resumes with with Pro Bowls that they played in. Right. When it's just a fan vote, who's right? Been the most popular player. I think all pro selections in the NFL are much more prestigious because that is something that fans don't get to vote on, but it shows the true talent and the best players at the positions. So I don't think – I think the NFL should just eliminate the Pro Bowl altogether. Maybe a skills competition would be much more fun to watch. You know, hockey does that too, but I think I think you're right. All, we're getting to the point where all-star games are less entertaining because yep. players don't care as much, and therefore the fans don't care as much. Yeah. 
You know, no, nobody plays defense in the NBA All-Star game. <laughs> it ends 205 to 206. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's just, that's how it goes. Nobody cares. Nobody plays defense. And it's just, you know, I think we're beginning to see that phase. I don't necessarily think it's bad. I think we could all use a break from All-Star games. Mm-hmm. I, I, yeah. I do think that that's, that's a real possibility. That's, Skills competitions should stick around. All-Star games, I think it's time to put on timeout. I think they're going to go next 10 years. You ready to hear who my new favorite racer is, Bo? I've been waiting all episode. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I, know. I know you have. It's just burning you on the inside. It has. Austin Sendrick. Oh, I was going to say that. Who drives the number <laughs> Who drives the number 2 Ford for Team Penske? Just one Daytona 500 on oh. Sunday. Jumping on the bandwagon. See? Yes, I am. But okay. not technically. Like it's not like I'm like, "Oh, I'm a favorite fan of uh, you know, I'm my favorite racer is Denny Hamlin, the guy who's been yeah. doing this for years." You're this like, kid is 23 years old. I want someone to hitch my wagon, my wagon to in my NASCAR fandom moving forward. You're like the, the basketball fan that after Golden State signed Kevin Durant, they went and bought a, a Steph Curry jersey. Yeah. That they break out like That's periodically. Like, I kind of feel like that. But mm-hmm. in, in watching NASCAR, I've been a NASCAR fan for the last couple of years now. I don't have a favorite racer anymore. I mean, I like to watch guys like Denny Hamlin and Chase Elliott go at it, but. I don't have like a set favorite racer. Now I do. Austin Sendrick. My former favorite racer yeah. was Matt DiBenedetto. Yep. He doesn't even race in NASCAR anymore. He now races the <laughs> Chevy Silverado for truck races. I remember him because I couldn't pronounce his last name. <laughs> yeah. He, uh, the thing with him is he was not very competitive. You know, he always missed his opportunity to win. There would be something where he would be in first place in top three, top five, and then something would happen and he'd just lose it. I mean, he, he wouldn't, he'd pick the wrong lane. There would be a restart. They would go into overtime and he would just fall to the middle of the pack. He wasn't aggressive. He didn't try to block. And what I saw from Austin Sendrick, just watch the final minute of the Daytona 500. What I saw from Austin Sendrick was complete aggressiveness, was complete rip your head off. I'm going to win. I'm going to be successful. I'm going to take the Daytona 500. He, uh, he, uh, in that race, when you watch that final minute, what will happen is Austin Sendrick is going to block Ryan Blaney in the Menards 12. That is significant to me because Matt DiBenedetto, to me, was too nice of a racer. He didn't want to get on anybody's bad side, and that would cause him wins. He never had a win, and now he's not even racing in NASCAR anymore. Austin Sendrick shows that aggressiveness, shows that killer instinct, and goes and gets himself the Daytona 500 trophy. So for me, what? Why is Austin Centric my new favorite racer? He drives a Ford. I'm a big Ford guy. Not to mention Matthew Benedetto. <laughs> not to mention, yeah, Will, some Will's people. A big some car people guy. will be really mad at you for that. Nah, I know. I'm not a big Chevy guy. I think Chevys break down more than Fords do, even though mm-hmm. Fords have that reputation. I'm not a big Toyota guy. I'm more of an American Muscle type of guy, and that's why okay. I like the Ford. You know, I. It's not like I cheer against Toyota. I cheer against Chevy, but I okay, don't cheer okay. against Toyota. <laughs> is that clear? Yeah, yeah. So I like Ford. Austin Cedric drives a Ford. He's a winner. He shows that aggressive killer instinct, as I've mentioned. He's aggressive. And he's young. He's 23 years old, but he's less than a year older than I am. Like, think about that. And he just won Daytona 500. So if he drove a Chevy, you'd be like, I don't like that this would, guy at That all. would play a factor. It would switch it You know, completely. I like Ryan Blaney, but I'm not willing to call him my favorite racer because he drives a Chevy. Mm-hmm. See what I'm saying? Yeah. So Austin Sendrick has all of it put together. He's my new favorite racer. Matt DiBenedetto's out of here. Sorry, pal. You couldn't cut it. Austin Sendrick is uh, my new favorite racer. Bum, bum, bum. Is there, 
There we go. Austin Cendrick. Now Tony G's favorite racer. Were we talking about a couple episodes ago? Is there like a new type of car technology coming out for NASCAR? How is yes. that working? It is uh, where we are right now in the NASCAR world is they have just... Daytona 500 was the first race with this next gen of cars. Oh, they already... Yep, it has started this season. So what's switched about them now? What's new? The entire design, the, okay. the way I think there's some certain airflow changes to the engine. There is, if you see the outside, the design, the exterior looks really different. There's rims on them now. And it is a new generation of car in terms of performance, in terms of speed and acceleration, in terms of gear shifting as well. And I think I saw that play out in Daytona because... You know, Daytona is notorious for all these crashes, especially late in the race. It just never fails. There's a wreck with 10, 15 laps to go, and then some, and then it just goes from there and there and there. Restart, crash, restart, crash, overtime, crash. Daytona almost always goes into overtime. And I think that's in part, I think, you know, we saw it Sunday because of Daytona and its reputation for its crashes late, but also because racers are getting used to this next gen of cars. Mm. Getting used to how it how they perform, getting used to how they accelerate, getting used to how they shift gears, getting used to how they can slipstream off of cars in front of them. And the, if you notice, I noticed this Sunday, and diehard NASCAR fans would probably only notice this and not, you know, in betweener type of fans. They get really close to each other now. Oh. I mean, they are almost like hitched to each other. Mm-hmm. And they would get close to each other before, but it would be like a bump, and then they'd get some separation, maybe like a foot or two between the car. They are right up on the car behind them now. That is something I've noticed that is different. They are right there, hand in hand, front bumper to back bumper with the car in front of them. So that is a difference, a noticeable difference that I've noticed in this next gen of cars. We'll see if it, if it um, persists through the regular season. Yeah, it is pretty amazing how like right on the bumper they stay. That's yeah. I couldn't do that. It takes a lot. <laughs> I, I I would feel anxiety doing that at like thirty miles an hour. Not, I'd be not, like, this is yeah. a little too much here. Not to mention one hundred and sixty plus, one hundred eighty, yeah, almost two hundred if they're on a straightaway. I mean, <laughs> yeah, that is uh, pretty gnarly. <laughs> one flip. I mean, the old. Here's another uh, fun fact. The guy, I f- I'm blanking on his name. He's a new guy. I'm not really a big fan of him anymore. But <laughs> the guy who took over in the Wood Brothers 21 that Matt Benedetto used to race for, car flipped over. Ooh. Yeah. If He landed back on the wheels, but it flipped over, skidded for a bit, caught air, and flipped back onto the wheels. There you go. That's worth mentioning. <laughs> <laughs> Just the Wood Brothers connection of the, uh, Matt Benedetto. The new car actually does It does look pretty nice. I mean... I like the rims on it. I think yeah. it's, a rare, it's a very... Sort of a street look almost. Yeah, yeah. That's exactly what it is. It's no longer like that. I, I think the prime NASCAR look was like the 2008 generation. Yeah. That model where it was like, you know, it, everything is just covered in advertising and it's, it's just <laughs> a very front-facing kind of car. And they're more safe now, the next gen. I mean, there's always, it seems like every year NASCAR is doing something to protect the drivers, which is great. You know, whether it's headgear, whether it's neck gear, whether it's breathing mechanisms, whether it's cooling systems, they do a lot to keep the racers safe. And I think there's, that's something that the next gen has really started to uh, portray as well. So anything else, NASCAR? Golly, I love talking about cars. Uh, we should do a NASCAR Formula One debate. Because okay. I would be pro Formula One. I, I'm not big on Formula One. Or like rally or something, because yeah. I think that'd be a fun discussion for us to okay. have. 
Speaking I don't know how many people would listen to, an, to a whole episode of us debating racing. No, we don't have to do a whole episode. We could just do like two hours of it or something. Yeah. <laughs> a two-hour special. Yeah, we could do like a, like a formatted debate where like we have rebuttals. Yeah. No, I like bad that. idea. Fire me. Yeah, you're fired. <laughs> I like that. Will offering to be fired after a bad idea. All right, that's the end of the episode. Any more punchline jokes before we go off air here? Not really, no. I think we hit it pretty well. <laughs> just never fails, this kid, <laughs> with the cheesy jokes that just fit in enough to get you to giggle, but just enough to be ashamed at yeah. the fact that you're laughing at it. Yeah, that's, pretty bad. That's Will McCormick's humor. Another episode on the books. See you Thursday? Yeah, we'll see you Thursday. Okay, that's Will McCormick. I'm Tony G. It's the Tony G Show. <laughs>